podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a view from the bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for kingdomofthegiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 20th of February, 2018. My name's Patrick Smith. Um, there's been a lot of adjectives used over the last, well, last few days to describe the last seven days. The Belfast Giants took on the bottom three teams in the Elite League, but unfortunately garnered only two points from them. Every word from surprising to disappointing to even embarrassing and to shocking and well we've got plenty more I'm sure we'll use but uh, we'll, we'll deal with those. You're going to hear from Adam Keith, and we're also going to be talking with the wonderful Laura Small later in the show but start off Mr. McJimsey how are you? Good evening Patrick I'm uh, you know a bit disappointed like everybody else but uh, let's get her out let's get out of here. Let's get it out of the system Mr. Kitchen you had to call all three games. <laughs> it wasn't easy man. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, the bottom line is we all like calling games, especially when the Giants win. But you know, when the at, at Saturday it was was a tough one to call, and to be honest, I wasn't particularly looking forward to Sunday either. But sure, we're going on to talk about those in a few minutes. But absolutely, yeah, uh, to say the, the sun shone in Belfast today. It's a new day. I'll get up and go. Let's get stuck in. We'll start off with the positive one: the Belfast Giants on wed- last Wednesday. Uh, Valentine's Day feels like an absolute age ago, considering. But it, they took on the Dundee Stars and took a 6-4 victory. It was the Stars that struck first, the only goal of the first period. And that came from the former Stormman Adam Harding. Uh, into the second period, the Giants hit back two from Brendan Connolly, one on the power play. Gave them the lead. Jimmy Jensen for the Stars leveled it up. And it was a bit cat and mouse. Darcy Murphy put the Giants ahead again before Anthony Master de Casa leveled things to close out that second period. Into the final stanza, uh, Blair Riley on the power play scored it before Jimmy Jansen levelled it up once again. But it was Darcy Murphy and Brendan Connolly uh, with the empty netter that rounded off that scoring at 6-4. In goal, Travis Fulton for the Dundee Stars, 25 shots, 20 saves. For the Belfast Giants, it was Jackson Whistle, 28 shots, 24 saves. And your two referees were Andrew Dalton and Stefan Hogarth. Um, Davey, you know, this is a positive, but it was a bit of a cat and mouse game. The, the, the Stars coming out the first period with that lead and the Giants, just just a back and forth between the two teams. Yeah, and we were just talking before we, we came, or put in all the, er, what do you call it, commas there? Um, er, inverted commas. You know, it seems like a, a lifetime ago that we were, you know, this game actually happened. <laughs> There's that been that much hockey played lately, but uh, as you say, backwards and forwards all night long, and, and one of those symptomatic a bit of the Belfast chance of late. We're having to score six goals to to win a game. You know, it would have took six goals every every game this weekend to, to win the games, and unfortunately, um, fortunately for us on, on that night, we just had enough to sweep past. Um, came up trumps, I suppose, on the power play, three power play goals in the night, which was nice to see. Um, 
we obviously coughed up one or five on the penalty kill. The penalty kill hasn't been great lately, but it was one of those nights that you know we knew what the Dundee Stars and they were quite short benched as well. And they came in here and they just kept coming at us. They were a little relentless as we knew they would be. And uh, you know, but for a couple of bounces, the result could have been a little different. You know, going into those last few minutes, it took us goals just right at the end on the power play with a couple of minutes left to get the go ahead goal. It looked like it was going to. To maybe squeak towards overtime, but we came up with that goal. And then obviously the empty netter just to, to round it off. But um, I'm not sure if you could have argued if it had a goal in the OT. Yeah, says so I think you know, when you look at the game, and it's symptomatic of maybe all three games, and symptomatic probably of games leading up to this weekend that the Giants came out pretty slowly, and it wasn't surprising to see the Stars take the lead. It wasn't. The Stars started really well, Paddy. Uh, you know we've. With, again, there's people saying they were played a lot of hockey in uh, in the last you know period of time. And Davy just said it there, right? I know, I know, but they're talking about people who know what they're talking about. The um, the the Russell's Ken. Oh well, that's a perfect example, mate. The um, you know, I I don't really buy the the part where people say um, you know about tiredness and what have you. You know, the Devils, Nottingham, Sheffield. Look at Edinburgh. Played four games last week. They played the same amount of games as what we have. Um, so and plus, we haven't done that much travelling since the turn of the year. So you know, I can't really buy the the excuse about tiredness and and over over the travel aspect as well. And with these three games at home, starting off with a Dundee game, you know, it's been it, 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 you should, at home you should be coming out flying. And in the last four five games, I mean, even looking back to the Fife, sorry, the Cardiff double header. You know, we played reasonably well those two games against Fife. Okay, but we you played started out really well and then just stopped playing. And since we stopped playing in that second period against Fife on the is it the eighth or ninth of February? Since we stopped playing in that second period, we've been well below average, well below average. Manchester gave us a lesson the next game. We'll come out against Dundee. To be honest, Dundee were poor. You know, we, we we managed to get out on the top of that. And, you know, again, it feels like it was ages ago with so much hockey being played. But, you know, coming out of that game last week and, and uh, I think it was, was it Murph got the, the go-ahead goal? Yes. Um, yeah, game yeah, Murph. A couple of minutes to go and then the empty netter. Call me hat <laughs> Yeah, it was a real, it was a real, real game that I, mean, I actually enjoyed calling it. It, was, it wasn't too bad that way. But it was just a real challenge and, and uh, going into that weekend again, it, it just felt that, you know, things were going to be uh, really tough and certainly turned out to be that way with, with uh, the results against Edinburgh and um, Milton Keynes. But again, we're, we're really struggling at the minute, four and six in the last 10 games. And uh, we need to get our mojo back because, you know, it's not going to get any easier. Davy, the game, this, you know, Dundee are obviously in, like, like Milton Keynes, I suppose, as well. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about those games when we come up to it, but they're in a playoff fight. So you expected them to come out hard, but likewise, we, we were maybe still clinging on by our fingernails to a title fight. Well, this is the thing, Paddy. All three teams that have came in here over the last seven days, Dundee, Edinburgh, and, um, Milton Keynes are all scrapping. Maybe not so much Edinburgh. They're, they're scrapping. They've got, pride in what they're doing you know these teams are scrapping to try and get that last playoff spot but you're absolutely right we were supposed to be scrapping for a league and I suppose that's maybe the most disappointing thing about all this is that the the confidence seemed to drain out the guys very very quickly and 
you know, if you, you look at that performance we put in in the NIC just a, a matter of weeks ago, phenomenal. We went in there, was it 5-1 we came away? Yeah. And it was, I think I said at the time, it was one of the most complete performances I've seen from a Belfast Giants team since I've been watching them for the, the guts of 20 years now, Paddy. And it was a really, really good performance. And high in confidence, and you would expect to kick off. It's so funny how quickly momentum and confidence changes in hockey because we look at team bereft of confidence and yeah we'll go on to the games at the weekend and, and give our top ones worth in that but I, I just don't think that the desperation the the desire the, the the want was there from the Belfast Giants to go that extra mile to, to block those shots to, to make those hits and we'll come on to some stats across the weekend I'm sure but you know I just think that we can do better what do you think of Sizz's point that after that, you know, that point against Fife when we shut down that we just haven't been able to pick it up since? Well, I'm talking about momentum there and, yeah. and how, how we had it and how we lost it. Uh, Paddy, it's... I suppose if Adam Keith had the, 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 the magic key to turn it on and off, he would. It's just one of those things that the guys have... I've kind of got away from the process for me. You know, we've talked about this a number of times over the course of the season, the process, you know, do so many of these things and, and good things will happen. I just think at times we've got away, whether it's a, a case of belief, whether it's a case of aptitude, what it is, I'm just not 100% sure, but we can be better than what we are. We've known that. Five on five, we really ran into penalty trouble again lately. Uh, selfish penalties, you know, penalties that... We don't need to take, and uh, mm. you know it's a it's a it's a conundrum for the coaches to, as to what he does. You know he spoke very well in, in his interviews, and that's a a good coach will try and deflect away from his players. And I think there's an element of that, and and some of the stuff Kiefer was saying to again because <clears throat> you know there have been coaches in the past here that would just start calling guys out for for what they were doing on the ice and maybe what they're doing off the ice. And Kiefer's you know very Adam Keefe. We're going to work our way out of this. And, you know, the boys will be back at work uh, soon tomorrow and or today as Tuesday. And, you know, there's an awful lot of work to be done to, to crack this. Let's leave, unfortunately, let's leave those two points there and let's move on to the weekend. Um, we'll start off, obviously, with the game on Saturday night against the Edinburgh Capitals. Edinburgh had beaten us once before this, this season. That was in the Challenge Cup. But they came to face us at the SSE Arena and walked out with a 4-2 win. Puts them up to 11 points, I think, this season. Um, they opened the scoring in the first period. Igor Valiev, after around five minutes before Sebastian Silvestre on the power play, leveled things up to close out that first period. Into the second, Valiev again, uh, about the halfway mark in the game, put the caps ahead before Dustin Johnner back in the lineup and scores to make it 2 2. Um, but in the third period, it was just, well, three minutes and 31 seconds. Podzins for the Caps puts them ahead and the Giants cannot find to pepper the net and they cannot find a way to score and Dylan Lawrence with the empty net makes it 4-2. Uh, looking at the net, uh, Tyler go on, says Bez Korowani. Bez Korowani. Bez Korowani. Uh, 46 shots, 44 saves and what was a fantastic performance. At the other side, Chris Truel, 18 shots, 15 saves. What the comparison there? Unbelievable. Um, in referees were Matt Rose and Andrew Miller. Says, I don't know what to say. 
I know, I know, we were, I know what Davy's opinion this is. I'd be interested to come to it in a second, but I want to take yours, call it. I don't think anybody expected this. I think, especially the way that Edinburgh had been, they, they played up because they'd been beaten soundly by the likes of Sheffield. And with all due respect to them, they came in, you know, where we thought we'd maybe score. It were we complacent? I think I'm struggling with words because it's just it's such a difficult thing to comprehend. But were we complacent against the Edinburgh Capitals? Um, firstly, I'm going to start off with the uh, the result is absolutely unacceptable. Whatever way you look at it, Edinburgh are coming in there, their fourth, third game in four nights, um, a lot of travel, and they drove down to Sheffield. Then uh, on the Wednesday night, drove to Milton Keynes on the Thursday, which okay is only a couple of hours away, but. You know, they've got to drive up overnight on the Thursday night after the game against Milton Keynes. You know, their sleep pattern's probably screwed up because they're going to get to bed at 5, 6 in the morning on the Friday morning. Um, whether they skated on Friday night, I don't know. And then traveling here on the Saturday. And for us to do that um, and come out with no jump um, and to not get the a result, which, you know, looking at sitting in second place and looking at the the... Edinburgh Capitals having won only wasn't only three games up until Saturday in the league. Um, yes, I do think we we uh, underestimated them. I really do. Uh, for us to for for the Belfast Giants not to put a um, a performance in against the Edinburgh Capitals was absolutely unacceptable. Having said that, I've watched the game back. We we dominated. You know, we absolutely dominated possession. Uh, you know, you're looking at. You're you're looking uh, again. We don't have percentages of how long they keep the puck for, but we must have had the puck for at least seventy five percent like game. I think David said seventy, but I, I think it was a little <laughs> bit more. Than that. Um, we controlled. You know, when we were going forward, we again. You know, we we certainly had our chances. Besko was some of the saves he put it up were outstanding. If you watch him in that game, you know, he just he was standing upright, especially when we had the puck in in their zone. We're moving it around the outside. He wasn't concerned at all. Um, and he was just obviously saying to his guys in front, as soon as they get the puck on the top of the, the top of the blue line, get out of my way. Let me see the puck and I'll save it. And the, the confidence was flying out of him at the weekend. Um, he played really, really well. On Saturday, I felt that we were a group of individuals. We were not a team in any way, shape or form. We didn't, our, our power play was, was poor. Um, you know, with, I think it was five or six chances. Um, you know, they were down to 4D. Four. They lost Jay King, a big hit by Jonathan Ferdinand behind the net in the first couple of minutes. Uh, he played one more shift after that. He left the arena in crutches. Um, you know, so, you know, losing, losing another, uh, British defenseman like Jay King down to 4D, including Tyler Plews. They skated with six British under 22, under 22 years of age players. They all got ice time. So it wasn't as if they just came out with their two lines. Um, and, you know, obviously tried to, to play with that. We have to commend the Edinburgh Capitals for this because they came in and they played the perfect road game, especially for a group of guys who who have found it really, really difficult this year, as they usually do in Furnace. Um, but they played really well. They just didn't let us set up in, our own zone, in their zone. They just, you know, again, they were happy having the puck around the outside. As soon as you tried to come inside their, their box, it was just... No, you're not still happening. You're not getting past Besco. Um, and he was outstanding. 50 odd shots. At our end, Chris Trill has to do better. You know, he's not getting a lot of ice time. I understand that. 18 shots, three goals against. 
that's uh, it's it's not good enough, Ricky. We we should have been winning games like that against Edinburgh, and then obviously the next day against Milton Keynes. So Adams already conceded the title. Cardiff's going to win the title. That's absolutely fine. But again, there's no excuse for moving forward and not putting the effort in. You can live with teams being better than you on the day, um, but for us to put in, as I say, I don't even want to use the word of performance because it, it wasn't a performance. Um, it was guys who trying to make the extra move instead of making the pass. Um, it, it wasn't. It just wasn't good enough. And uh, as I say, Adams already had the conversation with the guys. They had a big conversation in the room after the game. Um, I, I do think they reacted on Sunday, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but again, where we are was very, very disappointing. Davey, a bit comprehensive there from says, but the Besco, towards the end of the game, you can see he was standing tall in that net. He was, you know, come at me, give me everything you've got. I'm going to fire his away. The Giants, like, everybody came away angry. Everybody came away angry. Everybody came away disappointed. You only had to look at social media, embarrassed. All, as I said earlier, all the adjectives were thrown out. Uh, you, like says, and like myself, have looked back at the game. Did the Giants play that badly? Let's be clear. This was a turkey shoot. Uh, like, you know, like 50 shots to 15 or something, you know. Uh, but we didn't work. We didn't work as a team and we didn't work hard enough. And we don't, we didn't do the simple things that we are built on. Getting it deep and going to work, going to work on a short day. I think they had 14 skaters and, and, and Jay King goes down, you know, and, and they're, you're playing against a short bench team and we've got fairly much a full roster there. We have to go and go to work and work on that day and, and let your, be defensively sound, which we weren't. We're not getting really any, um, the day isn't getting enough help from the forwards and I suppose to a certain extent, the D isn't creating any offense at the minute because just personnel wise, you know, we're, we're struggling yeah. there. I thought there was a lot of low percentage passes played that, that a lot of no look stuff going on. We turned it over. We gave it away. We weren't hitting the tape, but I suppose my, my, the amount of times we speculatively just threw the puck through the crease. There has to be a man in there. You know, we're throwing it in there for somebody, but there's, there's Time and time and time again, there wasn't anybody there. So, you know, why we're doing that, like, I don't know, we'll stop moving our feet, but we're coasting at times. But I suppose the, the biggest thing that Simon has said there, you know, the individualism that's, that started to come out, the overplaying of the puck, you know, the, the, the one move rather than the pass. We didn't work, Besco. If we had 50 shots, you know, I'm not exaggerating, Paddy, that 25 to 30 shots hit him on the badge. I'm not saying that he doesn't have to save those shots, but... You know, we're not working them right to left. We're not like you know, we're not crossing that royal road that we talked about at the start of the season where we've got so much joy. We're just going in and getting a shot off. We're not looking for secondary scoring chances, we're not looking for low shots to get rebounds. I don't know where it's it's a funny funny old game where we were free scoring a number of months ago there. We're saying, isn't this a different team from last season that we, we went through that period, we just couldn't get a goal. We're going through that that adversity again where we know these guys can score goals because they've done it in spades this season, but just for some reason now, I'm not going to keep going on the, the confidence is low and blah, blah, blah. These guys are good enough to work that out. Um, and on Saturday, we didn't work. I think for the last 40 minutes of the game, there was one hit in terms of four-check, back-check. One. Um, I'm not going to... We're not going to talk about block shots because, the, you know, the Capitals have 15 shots to the game, so you can 
factor in that there was a low block count from us because the, the Capitals weren't shooting. We controlled that game pretty much from start to finish. We conceded three goals. I, I'm sure Truly would want to have a look at at least one or two of them. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate when you look at the numbers over over the weekend. I'm, I'm trying to flick that page here, Paddy. You know, four, three, and five goals conceded in an empty netter as well. You know, those guys off 28, 15, 25, 20, 40, 50, 70 shots, 13 goals against. It's just not good enough. And that that defence, that's just not down. I don't want to get into the when is a team loses goalie. The goalie needs protection from the day. The day needs protection from the forwards. We're not working hard enough going towards your own net. And that shows up big time in these plus minus numbers over the last couple of weeks. You know, the, your defensive forwards need to be defensive forwards at this time of the year. Unfortunately, we've, we've gone on you know, Adam Keefe has conceded the league. I think we're all realistic enough to think now we are out of it. This this weekend, when the Devils go and lose, that just give us a little bit of momentum to maybe put a wee doubt in their head. And you know, that's you know, they're laughing. You know, they've came away from that one. We've, we've dodged the bullet there, and, and I think it's it's not even Cardiff to lose. I think it's just Cardiff now. And you know. <clears throat> Unfortunately for us, we're in the middle of a slump at just the wrong time with the Steelers and the Devils and the Devils coming up again in the next couple of weekends. You know, we've, we've got to get out of this and quick and, and how that comes about is hard work, but it's going back yeah. to doing the simple things that was getting success early in the season, sticking to that process, which we're just not doing. What got me, I was talking like, watching the game and I was on a WhatsApp conversation with a good friend, Steve Packer, who's a Manchester Storm fan and, and he was saying about, you know, when are your boys going to wake up here? And I think we were about to start of the third period, just after the Edinburgh Capitals had gone ahead. And maybe hoping that the Giants would react. And we were starting to, but it, I think I said to him, I don't see us winning this game at all. And that was early in the third period. It just it seems as if the confidence wasn't there. That, that you say, the individualism wasn't there, the team play. Sorry, the individualism was there, but the team play wasn't. And there were a lot of just not going back to basics you know you just look before you start doing all the tricks and the flicks win the game first get yourself and then start to, to mess about if that's what you want to do and don't get me wrong, I, I feel like hypocritical because we've scored so many pretty goals in games where it was tight where that individualism and and, and those tricks have actually been the key the the edge that we've had to be able to bring out a bit of flair and, and, and put those goals away but it's the Capitals. They've won like three games all season. We should have had this game. Most people thought we would have this game put to bed by the second period and we were just chore after chore. And then I'm not going to put the blame at anybody's door other than ourselves, but one of the key points of it was the hit on John Kurtz, who took a hit to the head and showed the frustration after that in, in taking the penalty and giving the, the other Capitals another chance. Yeah, I thought it was a bad hit. They said it at the time. And again, you've got four sets of eyes out there from your officials that don't call it. Uh, we're trying to rule out, you know, injuries to the head. Um, John Kurtz, you know, bounced up to try and, you know, the, the big thing about it is that you see John Kurtz's reaction from it, Paddy. You know, he went straight after the guy, Tezlukovic, who sort of just went, oh, I'm not going to, you know, drop the gloves at you because you would just completely knock my bag in. Um, but for, for me, for that hit, and for the referees, again, not to call anything on it and to miss it completely, um, is, it's unacceptable. You know, we've had Vic Silverwood on before, uh, you know, talking about concussions and what have you. And John's already suffered 
a concussion this year from a hit lead from Joey Haddad um, on the blue line against the uh, Cardiff Devils. So, you know, he, he, fair play to him. He jumped up. He went straight off the guy. And what happens? They get a power play. Yep. Because, they, you know, the elbow lift to the, to the head of John Kurtz, and he has to take a power. He has to take a penalty for trying to stand up for himself. So, you know, for, for, for those guys to miss that and then go on and miss another one. When a blatant the accidental stick, high stick yes. from Tyler Plews, which which wasn't called, but it wasn't it wasn't Tyler Plews again. That's how da- that's how bad a call it was. It, it wasn't, wasn't until whistled Plews down until somebody called stick. in. Yeah, you know, it was either it was it. I can't remember. It was either eighteen or nineteen? Was there Lawrence or oh god, Dylan Anderson? Anderson. It was yeah. It was either Dylan, Dylan Anderson or Lawrence. That was the one. Either one of those two. If you can, if you watch the playback, it's either eighteen or nineteen. I can't really see the full shirt on it. Um. And again, no call initially. The play continues. They get into the semicircle in front of the penalty box and decide because there's blood in uh, cons, they, get, they give a two plus two. You know, a, for the two referees that there were, Matt Rose and some guy called Andrew Miller, who I've never heard of before, um, they come in and do that. I always thought there was supposed to be a senior referee and another new referee or a, a guy who's coming through the ranks to a certain extent. Um but you certainly didn't know who was in control uh, or who was the senior referee of that game because I thought that it was a couple of very, very soft and strange calls or non-calls on him. This is my real bugbear at the minute, especially from this weekend. And that's if anybody looks at my Twitter saw that as well. The fact that, as you say, he says, you know, we, we cried out for the four-man system. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to caveat this before people start saying it wasn't the referee's fault that we lost. It was not the referee's fault that we lost. Absolutely let's, not. Let's put that to the side. We're not good. What we want, however, is competent refereeing. And unfortunately, I didn't feel we got that this weekend. We, we, and don't get me wrong, adults, Matt Rose, uh, Andrew Miller, you know, I know adults is a top, top lad. I don't know, I don't know Matt Rose. I don't know Andrew Miller. However, you look at the game against the Edinburgh Capitals, and the game will come on to against the Milton Keynes Lightning, which was the Andrew, uh, which was Daltz and um, Matt Rose together. Those two lads have been promoted into refereeing in the last two months. You have guys who they are competent officials, and no doubt about that. But they have, regards to the elite league refereeing, they have less than two months' experience in doing that because we've moved up. So we don't have a senior referee in a game against the Milton Keynes Lightning. Now, some people may say, "Well, it's only a game against second or whatever we're third against third from bottom or second from bottom." That doesn't matter. Refereeing should be refereeing should also be always be done to a high profile and high standards. You've got. Two guys who are just finding their feet at a late league referee, and they shouldn't be together to do that. Now there must be, there might be reasons behind that, but you would expect to have a senior referee. Andrew Miller, I don't know you haven't heard of him since, but I know that he did do some ref, uh, refereeing last season in the elite league, not very much. Um, he has done some around the EPL level, and, and I know he's active in university level. Um, if you go to the elite leagues away. Uh, website he's named as a referee. It's not been that website's not been updated in quite a while because then you see that Matt Rose and Andrew Dalton are still down as being linesmen. Um, but it's frustrating when you've got this. You, you want competent referee and you want guys who have experience to be able to do it. And if you're throwing two guys in you're th- who have what less than two months' experience, it's not a case of trying to develop them, Davey. It's a case of throwing them in the deep end <coughs> and hoping that they swim. Um, I suppose as the resident 
advocate of refereeing. <laughs> I stick up to a certain extent because the factors of the weekend. Dean Smith, congratulations by the way, Smithy yes. from everyone. Absolutely here, here. Um, obviously had the weekend off, having not him personally having a baby, obviously as his partner having a baby, and um, you know I, I think the the refereeing group was was really really hampered by illness and injury so much so that uh, I think. Uh, Hoagie, or was it Hogarth I said, ended up doing a game down in Milton Keynes and had to go back to a three-man system. Three-man system there, yeah. Um, so, you know, struggling for numbers. So these, some, a couple of these parents were put together. But, you know, Poppy and, and Stevie Thompson, who who helped with the stats, they do anal- analysis on the referees every week. And they were saying from the four-man system as came in, there's 51 different pairings of of officials since January, and that staggered me. That figure, I could not believe. Well, believe it because it told me. But um, I just think it's you know, why are we not trying to establish sort of mini teams, if you like, within the within officialdom? Um, I suppose that would be my my point on the on the officials. I would like guys to see you know each them. other's movements. Guys, guys who know each other, know each other and yeah. learn and and teaching you. Look at the end of the day, the likes of adults and, and some of these other guys who are. Elite league linesmen. I've also refereed at World Championships and at, at you know at under age groups, so they know yes. what they're doing. They're learning the the trade at, at EIHL level, but they're they're competent in what they're doing. But they're going to need support. We can't kill this system before it starts. But I agree with you, Paddy. They're the way that pairings are being put together and guys are being thrown in the deep end. Luckily, they've got their armbands on, but being thrown in the deep end <laughs> and and asked to just right. just run with it and. It gets to a point, it is frustrating. No, we didn't lose games because of refereeing, but there was a lot of calls at the weekend. And my biggest bugbear in the world, forget about the referees, look at the linesmen, see the face-offs, it's gone to pot. They forgot all about this whole face-off routine. It's just not happening. I'd love to know how many delayed games have been called because it's not as many as it should be. So either enforce the rules, if you're going to put a press release out and say, we're enforcing the rules, enforce the rules. They, they are starting to really, really clamp down on the the slashings, the hookings and all. Players are going to get used to that, but it has to be across the board. So I feel a little sorry for officials at times because they do get hammered by us, but sometimes that, that their their bosses need to um, explain why there's been 51 different lineups. It's staggering. I think that number is absolutely staggering. I totally agree. I think there needs to be more consistency or, or, or like you say, teams... If you're going to pair up Hogarth or pair up pairing or pair up Darnell with somebody and uh, or Mike Hicks and you know there's enough. Do you know what? But I guess you know um, Joy Topman. I don't know what's her married name. I can never remember. Joy Johnson. Joy Johnson. That's it. Well, she's out in uh, in Korea at the minute, isn't she? With the, at the Olympics, but it's under her remit to try to, to develop this, and we'll, we'll see. Hope we've only had it for a couple of months. Maybe a, a procedure will be put in place. Come the new season, but um, I'll not hold my breath at this moment in time. Uh, let's well, leave. Uh, what's like? Uh, uh, Go on. What would you do differently? What would I do differently? Would I would follow your means of of having like develop a, a level of senior referees, a list of senior referees, which I'm sure they have, a list of junior referees, and and pair them off. However. <laughs> I guess the other problem that they have, and with all due respect to them, is the fact that they don't have the numbers. The referee and numbers are low, and, and when it comes to emergency situations like this weekend, maybe they do have that problem, and I wholly accept that. It just, as a fan, 
it just seems frustrating when you've got guys that you know to be relatively inexperienced when it comes to elite league refing doing your game and and okay maybe you lose the game and you think that maybe they don't have a part in that i don't think they're part in any of the, the results this weekend but it just still sits as a frustration when you want to see the actual game develop and you wonder well if you've got these two guys who are trying to learn themselves how are they developing if they don't have any guidance i i think we should again go down the lines of looking at the possibility uh, of bringing in um People from well, there's Denmark. I mean, I know we all know Dolce does a bit of refereeing in Denmark, as does uh, well. I think my kick still does as well. So if you're bringing a couple of guys in from there to get a, you know, if it needs a bit of experience to help out uh, the the guys who are being promoted through the the EPIHL or or University Hockey, as you're saying, Paddy. But um, you know, we we need to be investing in these guys. And yes, you know, at the weekend it was frustrating. We did not lose both those games. Because of the referees, that's just again. That, let's just reiterate that point. Yeah. We did not do that. Um, we lost the game because we didn't work play well enough. That that's the bottom line. But some of the calls that were made at the weekend. I mean, I was walking after we did the interview with Adam on Sunday. I was walking back to grab my bag and shoot on. Um, and Dolts pulled me. Um, he was getting. He was he had the door and all open in his dressing room, sitting there with his young daughter and his wife, and just having a chat. And he says, "What do you think about that?" And I'd say to him, I said, well, to be honest, I said, I thought you had a couple of soft calls. Um, I said, not just on us, but a couple of soft calls. He asked which ones. Um, and I said to him about them. Um, and in fairness, the adults, he went back and watched the game, which I don't think all our, all the referees in this league do. I think they just turn up, they referee, and then they turn up at the next game and referee. But Andy Dalton takes it very, very seriously. And he came back to me on both points. He, he WhatsApp me back on both points and said about it. And do you know what? The respect I have for him it was never in doubt anyway, but um, to come back there and, and make his point with regards to why he thought he made the calls and he thinks he still made the right calls for a Clayton. Do you know what we'll I do, Paddy? Sorry, do you know what we'll do, says? I think we'll get Andy Dalton and we'll give him a call and we'll get him on a few from the bridge next week, week after, what, and ask him how he thinks the four-man system. And he'll be honest enough to tell us what he thinks needs developed and he maybe enlighten us to what's going on behind the scenes as well to develop referees. Because as you say, he's came in from the linesmanship and the, the referee, and he is he is eager to, to improve. As you say, he's watching these game tapes. He, he chats to people about what they think about instance, and he goes away and looks at them again and I could have done this differently or, or explains it to you. This is why I made that call. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we might not have seen about, you know, slashing, the, the call, the action, the slashing, not, not the result. Doesn't matter if somebody gets hurt. If there's a slash, well, why somebody sticks up around somebody's gloves? It shouldn't be there. It pucks on the ice. So you make that motion to slash somebody, well, then it's a penalty. And as long as everybody knows that's what, you know, that's the way they're going to call it, then, but let's get Dalton on. Absolutely. Top lad as well. He's very welcome. We'll have him on the next if, week or two. If he needs a helper, get Liv Anderson as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> friend of the show. A friend of the show. Um, and you're saying about, you know, bringing in the guys from Denmark, says, if only we knew of like, American officials, two sets of them that come in every year. No. You know what, Paddy? I was speaking. I've got um, you know we were talking to a guy who the same name as myself, Phil Kitchen, um, who come over for the end. Simon Kitchen. Kitchen. His first name. He wants to be called Simon. Big difference. Um, The year. The um, (laughs) uh, Phil was over for the NCAA tournament uh, friendship four in November. I've got talking to him on on Twitter and WhatsApp. Um, and uh, he would absolutely love to be coming back here um, and offer their, their assistance again. 
um, which hasn't been taken up by the IHL officials, which I just do not understand. You know, they've got this quality of of uh, officiating who are coming over uh, the Atlantic to um, to officiate at the highest level of college hockey that you can get, which let's be honest, is a higher level than the the AIHL. Um, you know, some of these guys. I was I was watching uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins the other night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and their third goal was scored by a kid called Zach Aston Reese. He played here a team months ago for North Northeastern, and he's now playing on a top line with um, Connor Sherry and some guy called Crosby. Never heard of him. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, can't be that good. He's not, can't be that good. He's not at the Olympics. He's, <laughs> he scored three goals in two in his first two NHL games, but. So he's doing something right, but um, again, when, you, when you've got the offer of, of assistance from NCAA officials and you don't take that up, then somebody needs to be reprimanded for that because it's definitely a lot higher quality. And with our officials, with the greatest respect, in my opinion, um, and they they could do with all the help they can get at points. But like we all know, it's a tough, tough, tough ask for them to to, uh, to make the calls and stand up and be counted. And yes, you know, we've given them a bit of a tough time this week. Last week or the week before, they were commended for, mm-hmm. uh, on AVFTB for, you know, the good performances. And I thought they've been decent, but, uh, I thought there was a couple of soft calls this week, which, uh, which in furnish, I suppose you're always going to get anyway. So let's, uh, let's leave the game against the Capitals behind now and focus on the last game of the weekend, which was Sunday night or Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. And that was the game against second from bottom, the Milton Keynes Lightning. And it was a 5-4 defeat. Um, the Milton Keynes took a, a quick lead. Within five minutes, they were two up. Christian Isaacson and Lewis Hook on the power play. Isaacson scoring shorthanded. Luke, uh, Hook on the power play, as I said. Before Brendan Connolly, about, about 30 seconds after the Hook goal, made it 2-1. In the second period, in the chance, looked like they were taking hold of the game. Darcy Murphy scored after six minutes and 20 and David Rutherford on the power play scored with around four minutes left in the period. However, into the third, and Milton Keynes came back at us. Christian Isaacson with his second of the game, this time on the power play. Galakos added it to be the fourth goal for the Belfast Giants, but Guillaume Doucette leveled things up on the power play before, with less than a minute to go, Francis Vela Paul took the win for the Lightning. In goal, uh, the former Nottingham Panther, Passel, 37 shots, 33 saves. And the other side, Jackson Whistle back in that 25 shots, 20 saves. And your referees were Andrew Dalton and Matt Rose. We've, we've talked about that ad nauseum, so we'll come back to the game. Simon, um, I don't know. It's a, we look for a reaction from the game. We look for a reaction from the game against the Edinburgh Capitals. And you, you heard how annoyed and frustrated in his post-game comments that Adam Keefe was. But we come into this game, and once again, we start off slowly. We get a power play, they score shorthanded, and then a couple of minutes later, Lewis Hook makes it 2 nothing. It looks like, come on, Giants, you're behind the eight ball once again. Yep, 100% right again, Paddy. Um, I thought we're, you know, I actually thought we played better on Sunday. Uh, I thought we, we looked as if we wanted to win the game on Sunday, and uh, I thought we we really, you know, we, at times we we really did control it. I mean, the second period was good. A um, couple of goals in there managed to take the lead, uh, and then you know conceding a power play effort. 
taking a couple of stupid penalties in the third period. Yeah. Uh, really put us behind the, the black ball. And, um, you know, again, a good reaction to go 4-3 up. But, you know, conceding that goal, I think it was the tan goal, Doucette, you know, we actually won, Ferdinand won the face-off. Doucette managed Lovely to get finish. Past, one stride, bang, top corner. Jackson's got to, you know, be very disappointed with that one. He can't be conceding that. That's, you know, that's the, that's a game tan goal with 10 minutes to go. Um, and then, you know, to turn the puck over, we had the opportunity to clear it with 40 seconds to go. Um, you know, Sebastian will be disappointed. I think he tried to, you know, he was looking to maybe skate that puck out of the zone. Um, he turned it over. They went, uh, you know, east to west and, and Furness Jackson really didn't have much hope and, they got a, a one-timer in the, for the for the you know game one goal with forty seconds to go, and at that point, just as I said the week before against the Nottingham Panthers, um, you know their heads went down, as did ours. You know that we we just it just completely sucked the energy out of us. Um, you know that again, I, I do think it was a good reaction. I thought we controlled the majority of the game, um, and you know, we played reasonably well. But uh, you know, Patchell, our goalie. Uh, had a good third period. He, he managed to, you know, give them the opportunity to get back into it and he pulled off a couple of really good saves in the third and furnace. But, um, like, we, we just continue to turn the puck over in our own zone. It's, it's not. That's the key. So I was just, as I was listening to you talk, I thought you were talking about the turnovers there, says, and it seemed to be in that game turnover after turnover after turnover. It, it's not, this isn't something which has just happened at the weekend, Paddy. We've been doing this an awful lot this season. And we've been, yeah, maybe getting away with it, but if they've, if they've managed to score, we've always had the confidence to go forward and score another goal. Our strikers, I'm sure strikers, I'm sitting watching the football here as well. Our, um, <laughs> our, our guys at the top end of the, the, uh, the forward lines who are, are paid to put the puck in the net haven't been doing it the last couple of weekends. Um, yes, you know, con has got a hat trick against Dundee, uh, but you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't have a particularly good weekend. Um, are we missing Colin Shields? Any team would miss a player like Colin Shields. Um, but I think it's it's a bigger um, miss with Jim Vandermeer because he's like the glue that holds everything together. And, you know, yes, he's been on the bench and, and uh, you know, trying to keep things positive and, and moving in the right direction. But uh, we've we've just really, really struggled. And, and David touched on it earlier on uh, in the show that it's it's not a great idea that they be struggling at this time of the year, you know, coming up towards the end of February. You know, going down the street to try and get, um, you know, a bit of form put together for, um, you know, obviously a, a cup final, a championship in two weeks' time. But let's look at the other side of things. You know, again, there, there was positives coming out of the game on, on uh, against Milton Keynes. Uh, well, if you look at the point with regards, we've already been to Cardiff this year twice without Jim Van der Meer. Um, one of those games also missed Joe Cole Jarrett, and I think we actually missed Galakos in one of them as well. So you know we've we've went there short bodied, uh, short on the back end, um, and we've beat Cardiff in their own uh, ranks. So you know can we do it again? Absolutely, we can. You know we this team hasn't uh, lost. I mean it's, it's got the same players that it had four weeks ago um, when we did the double against Nottingham at home. We also did the double against Coventry at home. Um, you know, you won one and lost one against Cardiff, won one lost one against Sheffield, both at the at the SSA Arena. Look, we've got the players to do it. They're low on confidence at the minute. Um, as I pointed out to Adam at the end, he didn't actually realise this. This is the first week 
that we've had in a month where we can actually train four days before two games at the weekend. You know, when you're on the road, uh, we went to Nottingham, you're traveling on a Wednesday, you train the Tuesday, you're traveling on the Wednesday, play Wednesday night, you're traveling back on the Thursday, no ice, and then you train on the Friday, or sorry, you have a game on the Friday, then it goes into the weekend, you have no ice on the Saturday, you play on the Sunday, Monday's off, Tuesday, you play on the Wednesday, day off Thursday. So, you know, that can be a real pain in the backside. You don't get any time to, whether it's practicing your power play or practicing your shorthanded or ultimately just practicing five on five. So um, you don't get that opportunity. And this week, I would like to think that there's going to be a reaction again this weekend against the Sheffield Steelers because if we play the way we played against the Edinburgh Capitals at the weekend against the Sheffield Steelers this weekend, they're going to rip us a new one. Davey, confidence is the word I picked out from what Simon said there and the fact that confidence seems to be at the lowest. As this game went on, you know, the Giants team that had that, you know, had played with their tails up, played with that confidence in front of goal, just didn't seem to be getting it. Doucette gets the equaliser, Villa Paul gets the winner, the heads go down. How did the Giants get that confidence back? I think that Adam Keystreet, we've got to work, we've got to go back to work and just get back to basics. We've got a you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say what they should do. I think we need to, to get that puck deep and we need to go and work on defence, on, on the opposition defence, and we need to work goaltenders more. Um, you know, I, I don't think we played terribly either against the, the Edinburgh Capitals or the Milton Keynes Lightning. You know, like the, the games are there on Giants Live TV. If you, if you don't believe me, folks, go and download them once and again. You know, like, like we do pretty well. Our special teams against Milton Keynes, you know, we've coughed up a shorty and then three power play goals. That has to be something where we address. We have to be better in our special teams. We've conceded a lot of power play goals this year. For the first time I can remember this season, we're down about, if you combine um, power play and penalty kill, like we're down below 100%. Uh, and you want to be up about 125 on a really, really good, you know, a really good kill and a really good special teams. I'll have you up above 120. So we're 20% down where we need to be on our special teams over a course of the season. That's not good enough. You know, the coach knows that doesn't need some guy from Dundonald telling him what to do. We, our special teams need to be better. That's, that's one, it's a key element of the game, especially with the four man system, especially, you know, our team's chippy. We, we talk about teams being built the way their coaches are. This Adam Keith teams are always going to be, on the on the higher end of penalties against them, we need to stop the the silly penalties. I I don't mind guys going in and taking rough and calls around the goals or whatever, but these little silly just keep penalties from guys not moving their feet and abusive officials. We've got another couple of those that's came back that have disappeared a wee bit. That's came back when the confidence has gone down and things are going against us. We can't be chasing needing six goals to win a game because at the minute the guys are scoring goals but they're just not scoring enough because we're letting too many at the other end. You know, if you'd have scored four, if you'd have said a while ago you scored four goals at home against Milton Keynes, you'd have thought, you know what, our defence is pretty good, especially you look back again, not to go over the same old ground again, but you look back to the way we, defend, we played in Nottingham and we, are, we have a really, really solid team defence when it all plays, when it all clicks. And yeah, Sis is absolutely right. You miss someone of the quality of Jim Vandermeer, of course you do. And I would say, Simon, defensively we miss Colin Sheedis. Not so much offense, although he's put up really good numbers. I think 56 points or something this season. Defensively, you know, you look at his numbers across the season, the plus minus and all. He's defensively responsible on that line of, of him and, uh, Collins and Sylvester he played with mostly on him. Yep. So he's a, he's a defensive response. He's generally the third man high whenever, you know, you've got Gooley or Marty going in there. You know, and 
and that that's been missing. You miss the chemistry of all that because if Shades isn't in that line, then somebody else is playing up. Sometimes Saf, sometimes Darcy Mark. All the lines have swapped around the last lot of weeks, so we're almost playing a different team, a different style that we've been playing because of all the things that have been mixed up. And I'm not for one minute saying injuries excuse because we have always said no excuse organisation. No, that's a real cliche, but we we're not using that as excuse. That's a reason. There's a reason why things have been mixed up over the last wee while. And, you know, we need him back. I think he, hopefully, I don't know, says you know better than me, but I think he's looking good maybe for this weekend coming. You know, Vandy's another month or two away yet. Gars, obviously, Stephen Murphy, similar, you know. So it's, it's one of those. If we can get healthy here, we've got a, this is a massive weekend in terms of momentum for the Challenge Cup final because that, that's, that's our season at the minute. You know, we, we'll look at the playoffs when the playoffs come, the league's gone. We've got to focus in the Challenge Cup in 10 days or so from now. And, you know, <coughs> who knows what who's going to be available this Saturday night come for the... It's Friday or Saturday we play Steelers. Saturday. Saturday, you know, we, we just have to go out there and, and take that Belfast Giants brand of hockey that was so successful earlier in the season against them and try and get it back again. One last thing, obviously the, all the highlights from the three games against the Stars, against the Caps and against the Milton Keynes Lightning, if you can stomach them, uh, are available from the Belfast Giants TV guys on, uh, on, on YouTube. Some fantastic comedy. I have to say, you, you'd, well, since you had what, um, Murph, you had Sheds and Deco, I thought all three of them were excellent. Yeah, I, I thought they did really well. I mean, Deco had to put the subtitles up for at one point. <laughs> Um, I don't know. But, I thought Deco he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't come across too badly. No, I thought Deco did really well actually. Um, sure, I I did too. It says that like to have an Irish man, a Scotsman, an American on three nights in a row must have been <laughs> difficult for you. <laughs> <laughs> the um, look, it, it, unfortunately, we we've we've got these guys to call on because they're all well or injured or not selected. So you know, it's um, it's not ideal. We'd rather have them on the ice for the chance and. You know, look at, at the weekend there, you know, Friday, Friday Saturday night, sorry, um, against Edinburgh. We had one Brit in the lineup. Yep. You know, well, two technically. Jackson was on the bench, but Toy was the only Brit we had in the lineup. You know, and, and that's a that's a big miss. When you're missing Colin Shades, Mark Garside, Stephen Murphy, you know, you're missing those guys in your lineup itself. It's it is tough. And um that's a, that's a, that's an issue we're going to address later in the show because I've seen a TFA. And one thing I want to do just before, sorry to interrupt you, says, because I just want to move things on slightly. But one thing I want to talk about before we hear from the coach Adam Keith is the word perspective. Um, came away from the weekend and we put up a three word weekend and everything. Obviously you, you got a negative reaction. We just lost to the bottom two teams in the league. I think there's an anger at the fact that we were, you know, that we had the opportunity against Edinburgh to put a dent into Cardiff because they were getting beat heavily by the Nottingham Panthers and we didn't take it against the bottom side. However, Davey, what sort of perspective would you take from that with regards to the weekend in terms of where we had? Because a couple of weekends, it wasn't that long ago, we were talking about a fantastic run away from home, a fantastic team that were playing with great level of confidence. One weekend, one per weekend, doesn't ruin all of that. No, um, you're absolutely right. And you look at another sport, you know, you look at Wigan last night, going in and beating probably one of the one of the best teams that's been assembled in the last 20 years, not just this season, you know, like since the Premiership started, I'd say Man City are probably up there with, not, not quite as good, but probably as close to as, as some of the best Manchester United teams that, that walked that league. And, you know, it happens. Sport, sport hurts sometimes. And 
you know, the perspective I'd take from it, we scored 12 goals in three games, you know, we're, 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 we're scoring as many goals as this Belfast Giants have ever scored, goal, goal per game, but we're also conceding. So team defense is going to be critical here. We've got to support our goaltenders and we've got to get our defense, our, our forwards have to help our defense out because we're a bit light at the back end at the minute with, with the likes of, uh, Vandy being out. And, you know, the perspective is, Patty, I don't know, there's not an awful lot of positives you can draw when you, when you take two points from three games against the bottom three. You've just got to get back at it. In the league, we've scored 183 goals level with Cardiff. Uh, but we've also conceded 155, which is uh, more than anybody in the top six. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want the stat? Do you want a crazy stat? I tell you, hold on. Hold on. If you're going to throw that out, then I'm going to throw up the stat man music. I haven't used in a while. Stat I'm the stat man. Yep, he's going to give us a crazy stat. Go on, Debbie. I'm going to give you a crazy stat that came from Stevie Thompson today. The Edinburgh Capitals have scored 22% of their season's goals against the Belfast Giants. <laughs> That's not a crazy stat. That's a depressing stat. Seriously? Seriously. 22% of every goal the Edinburgh Capitals have scored this season has been against Belfast. You look down our list of seven sixes and, oh, it's been crazy against them. <laughs> I don't know if that comes, is that, is that, you know, is that symptomatic? Is there a wee bit of a lack of respect? Are, are we going out there thinking this is going to be a turkey shoot here and we're loosey goosey at the back? You know, is it, you know, Possibly. I think you, I think you look at it from the other side of things as well, do we? You know, they, they, in the Belfast, they've already beat us in Belfast this year. Yeah. Okay. It was a challenge cup, but they're feeling, you know, like, like, let's be honest. You go in the Murrayfield. Nobody wants to play in Murrayfield. You know, you get the chance to come and play in a lovely, fantastic arena like the SSC one in Belfast, and you know, you up your game. That's exactly what's happened this past weekend. Edinburgh up their game against us. Milton Keynes up the games against us. They they want the opportunity to come and play in arenas like Belfast. That is true, but we we should be better. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. But again, you know, they get the opportunity to come and play. Are they trying to, you know, I've heard a rumour over the last couple of weeks that Edinburgh aren't going to be there next year and Hull are stepping back yes, in. I've heard that myself. Um, and, you know, it's 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 you know, it's getting a lot more airtime than what it, uh, over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, does that mean that Edinburgh Capitals players are looking for new jobs? Absolutely. So, you know, they have a lot of British, young British players in their team and they'll be looking for, potentially looking for jobs as well, whether it's in Scotland, England or Northern Ireland or maybe Wales, it doesn't, you know, they'll be looking at the opportunity and they've, they've got to have to play and, and press when they get the chance. And they've got some really, really talented young British kids too playing for them. Uh, there's some Edinburgh We've had Tyler Pluge on the show this year. I thought he did really well at the weekend. You know, he's playing with a very, very experienced guy at the back and, and, uh, Teslukovic or, um, what do you call the other guy? Tracking off, you know, so you know, they're, they're obviously guiding them through. He's got a, AHL goalie standard. He drafted in the second round by Dallas uh, Stars. You know, just talking to him and and Jock Hay on the bench as well. He's been there for years, so you know he's listening, he's learning, he's getting ice time on a regular regular basis. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's burned fruit for him. I think I thought he was excellent the weekend. 
Say so. I'll come to you on that just before we move on. That the idea of perspective. Davy made a great point there. Regards. You look last night, Wigan beating Manchester City. You look at how Rochdale did against Tottenham Hotspur. You know, I know you're you're a Spurs fan yourself, but you know these games happen. That's the nature of sport. You, you can't take isolated games, isolated weekends like this, and let it blow everything else out of the water. Well, yeah, I do agree with you to a certain extent. I mean. That this weekend has blew us out of the water for the challenge for the uh, league. That's yes. that's just look at it, you know, being one hundred percent honest. I seen somebody tweeting. Adam had said about it in his interview with me the other night, um, and I seen somebody tweeting about it. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. This coach has given up and there's still games to play. He, you know what? He's being absolutely realist, one hundred percent honest as he always is with us. And um, you know, obviously talking a lot of crap. Whoever was tweeted that in, but. It's um it's disappointing to lose those two games the weekend against eleventh and twelfth place teams. But you know, it's sport it's you know, I didn't give Wigan a chance last night. I thought they were gonna get absolutely ripped a new one. I mean look at the lineup that Manchester City put out. Um and then they go down to ten men and they pull some guy called Kevin De Bruyne off the bench. I mean he ultimately he's Never probably in the premiership this year. Um so uh it's disappointing but as I say, Paddy, I woke up on Monday morning, sun was shining, I got on with it. I work with both City fans and Wigan fans, and the dynamic in work this morning was fantastic. Um, right, let's move on. The You heard from a couple of times over the weekend, and as Sis as says there, he's always brutally honest. So let's hear once again from the head coach, Adam Keith. Adam, back to work today after a disappointing weekend. Uh, defeats to the Edinburgh Capitals and the Milton Keynes Lightning. Um, we talked on uh, after both those games. Um, you felt the performance was better on Sunday uh, after the uh, game on Saturday evening against Edinburgh. Um, moving into this week, how do you uh, put things right? And uh, I see you're back to work and skating the guys hard. Yeah, today was a work day. Um, guys put in a lot of good work today, and, and I think you know everybody understands that uh, we obviously didn't have a great weekend. Um, you know, on Saturday I said, uh, you know, we need to have a better start, obviously, against Milton Keynes tomorrow, and, and we need to play for 60 and work harder. And that's, you know, if we, if we end up losing the game and, and we came out and we worked hard, and, um, you know, I, I actually, after watching the game back, <clears throat> lot, pulled a lot of positives from the game against Milton Keynes. Um, I think, uh, after reflecting on it, you know, if you go minus three on your special teams against any team in the league, you're probably going to lose that game. And we did against Milton Keynes. So um, I thought for the majority of the game, 5-on-5, five five and and uh, I, th- I thought we were, we were good, actually. Um, and I thought our effort was much better against Milton Keynes. Uh, the second efforts I thought were there. I think you could tell. Uh, I could tell, anyways, that guys wanted to win and wanted to get this ship back uh, on the right uh, path. And I think, um, again, our special teams didn't get it done. Um, we're going to have to work at it this week. You know, we have to get our special teams done. You know, there's so many penalties called in, in today's hockey. Uh, in the elite league, that we need to have good special teams, and um, I do think this team five on five will compete with uh, uh, everybody. Um, special teams, they need to be better, and uh, you know this week is about getting us back on track and and 
building some confidence back and, and, and you know, having a positive mindset rather than uh, completely negative. And we understand what happened on the weekend. We understand it's not acceptable. We understand um, it wasn't good enough. Um, and now we need to correct that. And there's no better opportunity to correct it versus uh, in-conference teams that uh, I mean, we know are going to be huge games. And uh, if you don't play the right way and you don't show up on that night, you know, you're going to get crushed. So um, we certainly understand those things. And, and we have no choice but this week to get back to work and, and correct some of the things that are going wrong on, on the special teams and, 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 and in our defense's own coverage and, um, just some of the things that uh, we need to buckle down on. Um, ultimately, we've got to come out and put down a big performance at home versus Sheffield Steelers. And, um, you know, we are still nothing. You know, one thing that's not changed is we're still two weeks away from a championship game. And that hasn't changed, um, regardless of wins or losses on the weekend. That hasn't changed. So. We need to keep that in mind and stay focused and uh, get our swagger back. You know, we seem to have lost our, our confidence uh, with the puck and uh, our confidence and our, and our trust in each other. And um, that needs we need to get that back this week. Uh, this week alone is your first full week of practice in nearly a month. Do you think that's been a big factor in, in the way things have been going? Um, I'd like to think no, but I mean certainly not practicing regularly and not being able to work on certain things as much as you'd like to has a bit of an effect but you, you'd like to think that you know we understand everybody's going through it in, in our conference anyways because there was all the uh, Challenge Cup games that were on the Wednesdays and no excuses I mean but yeah it's certainly nice to have this work week where we can work on a few things and uh, and get some some quality work in that uh, should, we should benefit from on the weekend. Moving into this weekend, you've already touched on the Sheffield Steelers. Um, we've got a, a, a winning record against them this season, 5-2. and two. Um, But, you know, with the greatest respect to Milton Keynes and, and the Edinburgh Capitals, Sheffield Steelers are a different beast. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're going to bring a different level of pace to us. Um, we're going to put a lot more shots on, on, on uh, our goaltender, so... Um, we have to play the right way. We have to uh, limit their chances and and not force offense every time. We th- you know we don't have to score a goal every single shift, and that's I think once we understand that and buy into that, um, you know, we we can take over games throughout the game. Um, our, our offense is potent enough that that it will come. Uh, we don't need to force it, and I think. Uh, Worrying about our own end first and and taking care of our defensive game will benefit us in the stretch here. We have 10 games left in the league, and, you know, we just got to work towards one game at a time, and anything can happen here down the stretch. Uh, Obviously, uh, Cardiff's got a tough schedule in as well, so, um, you know, with things the way they are, you you really just don't know on a night-to-night basis in this league anymore. Parity is that good that uh, you know you could, teams can drop games clearly, and um, we just need to worry about ourselves right now and one game at a time uh, build towards getting back uh, our swagger. Thanks to Kiefer. Let's fire through here, lads. We've got a couple of things to do around the league. Um, 
I want three main things I want to talk about. And we'll start off with Fife. Fife have won the Gardner Conference with a victory and uh, things over the Brayhead Clan and the Dundee Stars at the weekend. Um, first piece of silverware in many's a year. First piece of silverware for them in the Elite League. Uh, Davey, you know, we saw Fife reach the the the, uh, the playoff finals. We've seen it, but for them to, to triumph in, in that conference, pick up a bit of silverware is grateful. If you can be happy for anyone else around the league, uh, you know, outside your own team, I don't like doing that. But, you know, Todd Didium's always been Top guy. very, very good to us here. He's a, he's a lovely fella. He's had a lot of strife himself. And, uh, you know, um, five flyers have been about a long time. They've, those fans have stuck by them through thick and thin. And it's been thin for, for many, many years. And, you know, you see the numbers that turned out at the weekend that, uh, to see them winning that trophy because it's a, it's a lovely big trophy to win and you know <laughs> best team in Scotland um, I wouldn't say it's the strongest of conferences but you know they've won it and they've won it really really well um, you know taking 8 out of 10 points across 10 20 games it's, it's quite impressive you know they've only two regulation losses in, in 20 games against clan stars and capitals and uh, they, they've won that you know, they're what four eight points clear with a game in hand, so that like, they've won it with with great aplomb. What that actually means in terms of of league positions still to be, uh, who knows? The elite league might still change it again. But congratulations to them. Yes, I'm. Um, I'm not going to say I'm delighted, but I'm very pleased for them. Says you know five flyers, you know going high in the conference, taking that conference title. Uh, you look at the league; they're sitting fourth. They're just behind us, two points behind us, but with four games in hand over us. You know, it's been a great season for them. Yeah, they've done really well, and you know, I think the um, the lack of of uh, I'm trying to find the best word for it here for the Brayhead Clan competition. Um, well, there'll be no competition this year, have they? Um, they've been absolutely awful. I mean, they've brought a they have a, a good budget, I would say, up in the shopping centre and. And, um, you know, they, everybody thought that they would have walked the at conference again this year, but five of them done a great job. And, and, uh, you know, they, they, they get, they should just seem to come up with a, a real good find every single season. And they're, they're one of the things that they seem to be very, very good at is finding a top, top notch goalie. So, um, they brought in another one this year in Andy Ives. He's done incredibly well. And congratulations to them. You know, again, you, you talk about dudes, you know, uh, coming on every single um, opportunity we've asked them before. So, uh, yeah. It's Sometimes it's short them. notice. I'm, I'm sure you give them a call 10, 10 minutes before the week, last week or yeah. week before. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I think it's well-deserved. And, uh, um, you know, the Brayhead clan need to really up their game because they're going to find it tough to get into the, the last eight for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, look, you, look at, you look at the Flyers there and they've taken, what, 34 points from 20 games. And they've taken 22 points from 24 games outside their conference. So the, the, the advantage that they've got in the overall league there is, is actually huge for them um, in terms of, of what it's... And it's done the same for Manchester. Obviously, they have 31 points in their, their 21 points or, or their 21 conference games. So cross-conference, you know, not not quite a strong cross-conference, but the, the advantage of, of getting those points in the conference. You know, you look at... Manchester Storm, 31 points in 21 games. Five Flyers, 34 points in 20 games. And you look at what, you know, I don't think I'm being wrong here when I'm saying the strongest conference, the Arhart Conference, 19 games, 24 points leads it. You know, so you have almost a 10-point advantage by being in those other two conferences. That's statistics. Say that. Um, 
Oh, one thing I want to do before we move on is the fact that the, uh, I was quite entertaining, entertained by the game that they had against the Brayhead clan just the other night when, uh, I think Jacob Doty, or is it Jacob Doty? Is that his uh, first yeah. name? Yeah. yeah. Jacob Doty scores and uh, arms in the air like he's won a, like he's won a Stanley Cup. And, uh, about a minute later, Fenucci at the other end scores and the whole team celebrate exactly as Doty did just to take the mick out of him. That was quite entertaining, I have to say. Um, other news to departures managerially, and we'll start with a bit, well, with all due respect, to the, we'll start with the one who came as maybe more of a shock. Um, Corey Nielsen, after seven years as a player or player coach and, and ten seasons as a, as a coach or player coach, overlap there, of course, um, is to depart the Nottingham Panthers at the end of this season. And, uh, what a record. One league title, uh, was it seven Challenge Cups? Uh, a Continental Cup, a few playoffs. Davey, I know you're you're a big fan of the Nottingham Panthers. Your thoughts on the departure of Corey Nielsen? I'm not a fan of the Nottingham Panthers by any stretch of the imagination, but I do <laughs> um, have a begrudging respect for Corey Nielsen and what success he's he's brought there. I, I, he's very highly spoken of by a lot of people around the game. A lot of players speak very highly of his coaching techniques and I know we've mocked some of the, the Facebook Galacticos as we've called them over a lot of years, but be very careful what you wish. Like they're getting a great man in his place. Let's make no mistake about that. So you know they've recruited well there and, and replaced them. But this this was this almost came as a reaction to, you know, the fans turning, if you like, and these so called I don't know what what's happened to the two men that we lad that we're gonna have a a protest now that Corey's gone as that as that been, but um, you know I heard they're they're holding their next meeting on the phone box, but uh, you know you know you you got to look and, and say that he was relatively successful. He didn't he, he wasn't successful in terms of league championships. He won one, which we they they've been after for so it was nineteen fifty six, wasn't it the last time they won one? And you know he won it, but he won a lot of playoffs. He won a lot of challenge cups. He was very good at getting nice teams up for the short format games, short format tournaments. He done well in the in the in European competitions. Ultimately, he he brought silverware in Europe as well. So, Corey Nielsen will go down as a legend, certainly in Nottingham, if, if not the elite league. He, he's he's been very very successful at that club, and I'm sure he's going to go on to. I don't know whether you go back to North America or or whether somebody else in in. The UK will take a punt on him. Um, it would be difficult for him. Anything other than the Belfast Giants, and there's no job here because we've got a fantastic coach in Adam Keith. Any other club, I think, in the league would be a step down for him in terms of organisation. So he's going to have to, um, I think, look to North America to further his career. I just correct my stats: five Challenge Cups, one league title, four playoff championships, and, and various other. To, uh, and a partridge and a pear partridge and a pear tree. Simon, uh, Corey Nelson. Like, I, I'll be honest with you. I was never really a fan of his coaching, but you can't knock that actual record. Yeah, again, you know, if you, you look at it a couple of different ways, I think he overachieved in certain things, like the likes of the uh, Continental Cup, but with one league championship in sixty years, um, and one obviously in ten years for while he was coaching down there, he's underachieved. So, um, you know, should he get the full brunt of, uh, of lack of, uh, wins this year or, or team cohesion or, 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 uh, you know, bringing guys in and obviously didn't fit the way they wanted to play and, and getting rid of 
Josh Shallow, who was our top point scorer in the CHL after a couple of games in the in the league, and it's uh, I really couldn't care less. You know, I think the next <laughs> I've spoken to him a couple of times and interviewed him a couple of times for Belfast Giants TV. But you know, again, I hope they get somebody who doesn't bring him as much to success next year. So at, uh, look, it's the Nottingham Panthers. We're Belfast Giants fans. Well, I think I think I think from my perspective, I agree with the fact that he seemed to have this ability of in cup competitions and short term cup cup competitions to to g the players up to perform, and that's why you know you they won the playoffs so many times. That's why they won the uh, the Challenge Cup so many times. That's why they went to the Continental Cup and, and and they were able to take that as well. But I think probably part of his legacy will be the fact that despite all the all the wealth and riches at his disposal, the fact that he's able to recruit a CHL team, the, the, that one league title will probably go down as, and after they won that one league title, they finished fourth, fourth. I don't think they finished higher than fourth after they won that title when, I don't think they have. And when, when a lot of people thought that that would start off a, a Nottingham Panthers dynasty of, of winning league titles, it never really transpired, which makes you think that maybe just that one season he got the recruitment right and it all took over. I, I give him the credit, absolutely I give him the credit. The, 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 the win the playoffs and the, and the take those trophies and the wins any sort of silver over your head is a huge achievement. Of course, his crowning glory was to put on the Belfast Giants shirt against the, the Boston Bruins, which would be the highlight of anybody's career. And we wish him well. Um, the other departure from the Elite League, Elite League team that was announced this week, and we'll see if it was coincidence or not, and is that of Pete Russell of the MK Lightning, who also will leave that team at the end of the season, says, uh, where's he going? I had a chat about the weekend, not giving away anything. Um, <laughs> the uh, I don't Can ask you him, like, but um, you know, not saying, not say what he said. Uh, but you know, when you're Pete's a very successful coach as well. You know, he's coaching the GB level. Obviously, he's got Corey and Adam as his two assistants. Um, and uh, um, I, I I didn't really like the way the Milton Keynes Lightning announced that. You know, like five or six hours before their game on Saturday against Manchester. You know, that's in my opinion, it's not really the best way to do that. But you know, that's uh, what they did, and, and they come out with the news. And um, is there going to be a bigger merry-go-round of players this year, uh, or sorry, coaches this year in the, in the elite league? You know, we've we've been watching uh, developments in uh, in Sheffield, and some fans up there aren't happy with Paul Thompson. You know, could the three of them switch places? Like it'll all uh, come out in the in the long grass at the end of the, end of the season, and then we'll find out who's going where, and, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, it was like the likes of the weekend there. I was talking to Dicko before the match on Saturday in Belfast against Edinburgh, and he was saying, you know, he was, you know, he was looking at uh, some of the games upcoming on that night, and he says, oh, Cardiff are going to rip Nottingham. Uh, you know, Cardiff are playing really well, blah, blah, blah. And I says, I, I didn't think so. You know, after the news coming out earlier in the week about Corey leaving, I think the Panthers could finish strong. I, I said this last week. And maybe the week before in the podcast, I would not want to face the Nottingham Panthers in the quarterfinals of, of the uh, playoffs. I really wouldn't. Um, and they come out and played very, very well against uh, the Cardiff Devils. So it's um, what does that say about them? It says the fact that you know they they haven't been able to buy a win for weeks. They've been poorly performing. It gets announced that Corey Nielsen's departing, and then they go out and absolutely hammer the Cardiff Devils. What does it say about the team? Well, maybe says that there's a potential of their another guy within that camp is going to be the head coach and he's looking for guys for next season. Mm-hmm. You know, 
is David Clark going to take over? Is he the one who's you know being groomed to, to step into Corey Nielsen's shoes? Um, and uh, guys want to keep their job next year in Nottingham. I mean, let's be honest, they're, they're obviously being paid very well to stay in Nottingham. Um, and uh, you know they can outbid the majority of teams that have got a massive fan base with regards to you know having the biggest rivalry in, in world hockey between them and Sheffield. <laughs> but uh, it's um, it, it, again, it'll, it'll all come out in the long grass to see who ends up where. Um, but the, the Panthers coming out the weekend did not surprise me in the slightest, Paddy. It really didn't. Davey, your thoughts on uh, on Pete Russell leaving MK? You know, Pete's been been pretty successful down there at MK. He's, he's, he's done a, do a good job with, with GB hockey. He's done a good job at Milton Keynes. And, you know, um, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm a being horse in Milton Keynes to say perhaps he's looking for a, a bigger move. And obviously, as Sis has talked about a, money, about a player merry-go-round, there could well be a coach merry-go-round there as well. And, and who knows, could could Pete Russell end up in the, you know, in the in the custard and black and now anyway, you would never know. It's it's stranger things have happened. There's obviously yeah, as I said as well, our Clark in Nottingham being assistant coach for a number of years will also be maybe looking to step up in the senior coaching role. So and and undoubtedly there'll be other there'll be other jobs jobs pop up. But you know, great to see, you know, good friend of says it's good to see him taking a he's obviously looking to, to kick on in his career. He's he's not stepping away from hockey so he'll be looking a job and I would say there'll be plenty of suitors that'll be looking to put him in their colours Absolutely, two big stories so let's move on um, I'm going to come back and talk to you about, a good, we're going to talk to and about a good friend of ours and a wonderful person in Laura Small Laura, it's a big weekend for her um, two charities, Angel's Wishes and the Cancer Fund for Children Will well, she's raising money for both and to do so, she's doing something that I do on a, every two weeks. Go shave her head, except she's got a lot more hair than I do. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing for her to do. She's got a, a heart as big as an oil tanker, that girl, and it's it, it's unreal what she's doing and what she continues to do. And we, uh, well, Sis got a chance to speak to her earlier today. We're joined by Laura Small uh, just a few days before the big shave um, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Laura, you must be, um, I mean, obviously, you, we all know that you're, um, you know, knee deep in, in different charities and always willing there to help out um, everybody that, that needs a bit of a hand. Um, but you must be a little bit nervous about what's coming up on Saturday. No, I'm not. I'm actually just really excited to do it now. I've known for a good few months that I'm going to do it. Um, and I feel like I've, all I've been doing is just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And now I'm just excited to actually do it. And I've noticed you're walking about with your hair tied up. Is that just trying to get used to uh, having no hair from Saturday onwards? Just trying to get used to the breeze that's going to be on the back of my neck and my huge ears. No comment. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you're not doing it for nothing. Uh, you're, you're bringing a um, number of charities into it, but uh, who are going to benefit from funds which you've raised and awareness um, and obviously the, the hair that you're shaving off as well. Yeah, I'm doing it for a couple of charities, mainly Angel Wishes and Cancer Fund for Children. These are two charities that uh, Adam and I have been working with for a couple of years. They send us children to most home games in the morning. They come in, they meet the players, uh, they watch a bit of practice and then they come to the game that night. These are children who are being affected by mainly cancer, but they have chronic or terminal illnesses. It's just to give them a little treat and, and make some memories for them and their families. These charities have uh, just played such huge roles in these children's lives and I just wanted to be able to do something to A, help raise awareness of the work that they do, but also raise money for them because 
they are local, like their local charities in our own communities, and they some of them just need they run off funds and donations from other people. So I just wanted to be able to do something for them. I'm also going to be giving my hair to the Little Princess Trust, which makes wigs for children with cancer. The same is that the same charity that uh, Boxy donated his uh, hair to a couple of years ago. Yes, both Boxy and I actually give her hair that year. I give mine just a couple of months after him. They it actually takes five people's uh, hair donations to make one wig, and it costs about three hundred to five hundred pounds for them to do it. So I'll probably give them enough money as well out of the money that I raise to uh, be able to make a wig using part of my hair. Let's talk about the, the funds you've raised. You set yourself a target of £1,000 uh, to start off with um, and you're well past that and it's all due to uh, the, you know, the, the generosity of everybody coming to the games but also friends, family um, and anybody that, that wants to make a donation they can still do so up until Saturday or is it, it beyond Saturday? It'll be beyond Saturday. I'm going to leave it open for another week. I'm also going to be collecting at the game on Saturday. I just have a bucket on the counter. I won't be walking around. Um, it'll just be on the counter if anybody wants to donate. I have been absolutely completely and utterly overwhelmed by the support to the extreme point that I cried pretty much all day Saturday from 20 past 8 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Even Not even just through money, through people's kind words. Um, somebody came and gave me a hat to wear because they were worried that my head will be cold when I lose all my hair. Just People are so kind and when you have a goal just seeing how much everybody helps you achieve it, it's just it's very overwhelming. From Giants fans They've just been unbelievable. The people that stopping me on the concourse that I don't even know call me by my name saying, I know you're going to shave your hair and just open their wallets and give me money. Like, it's, it's just unbelievably kind. To strangers that I've no idea who they are that I've given on my page, to people given from other teams, my own family and friends, just they're always in my corner too and always happy to help, even though I'm always asking somebody for something, always. Have you, uh, what, what's your, um, what's funds of yours right up to the date? And it's only Tuesday, we'll obviously be recording a podcast tonight and going out tomorrow. Uh, last night I just hit over six grand. So I'm getting greedy now. I just, it's not for me, I just want to be able to do the best that I can for the charity. So I'd like to get to seven, maybe eight, but I think that might be pushing it a little bit to expect that. So if anybody wants to donate, uh, where do they go to? How do they donate that at the minute? They can go to my Twitter, which is Large Lowers. They can go to the Giants, any of the Giants Twitter accounts or his Facebook. The link is on there. It's a GoFundMe link. Um, and some people have asked why I'm using GoFundMe because they do take uh, a percentage of your money. Because I'm donating to two charities, that was the only page that I was really able to do that on because just giving don't allow you to split your money. They don't take it off the money that you're donating. They actually add a, a small percentage onto it. I've noticed that myself. So it's either 5 or 10% they can add to it. Yeah, they, 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 I think it's about 4 well, whatever it is, you, so we'll we'll put, we'll tweet that out from AVFTV over the next day or so as well. Wish the best of luck. We'll, I'll be there on Saturday to to uh, pick your hair up for you, and I know that Jan Stevie are going to uh, video the whole event as well. Thanks very much. Thank you so much to everybody who supported me, and especially Simon has been a massive influence and supporter of me always, and I appreciate you very much, sis. Thanks, love. <laughs> Davy, she does it all the time. Ramed of superlatives when it comes to talking about Laura Hoppenway, you know, she calls me her FJ, she's my FF, you know, and uh, you know, what she is doing is a big deal. We're going to see, as Simon said last week, we're going to see these famous small ears and they're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, smalls are surname and uh, we're all looking forward to that. And But, you know, she's willing to put herself out there to help people that are less fortunate and she's always doing and she's thought, you know, what could I do more than I already do, and it's fantastic. And um, we threw up a Colin Shields um, GB signed jersey there. 
Um, it's on our Twitter. We'll, we'll retweet it and if you from the bridge. Somebody make some donations towards it and the best donation will get that shirt signed by Colin Sage. Hey, we'll even get Colin Sage presented to you in person. Um, but every single penny from that will go to Laura at the, to put in their charity pool. I, says will come on to, you know, really good friends with her as well. Just, she makes your heart skip a wee bit faster in, in all good ways. She's a fantastic role model to loads of children and the minded kids that have, have a better life because of her is just oh, they're uncountable and she makes me proud proud to know her and she makes me proud that she works for our organization simon she's just a one-off you know absolutely outstanding um some of the things that she's uh, got involved with um you know there's there's people and organizations contact the the um the belfast giants on a regular basis and she doesn't hesitate she just jumps right in you know feet first and and whatever needs done is, is she just finds a way of getting it done. So there's a lot of people behind her that, you know, help out and along the way. Adam Keith, you know, is, is a big, big supporter of everything that she, um, she tries to do. And, 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 you know, having Adam in your, your, your pocket as well to, who, uh, you know, offer his support is a big thing as well. So it's, uh, you know, it, she doesn't surprise me. It's some of the things that she comes off with to do and organize and, and obviously going out there and shaving her head this week to, um, I'm going to go down on uh, Saturday to, to watch her coming off and Neil from Belfast Giants TV is going to video the whole thing. So it's, um, it'll, it'll be, uh, I said there today actually in the interview, you know, she must be getting nervous. She's not in the slightest. She's just, she's really psyched herself up for it. She's really looking forward to, to basically getting the, uh, the brunette locks shaved off and, and, um, again, all that. Uh, the money she's raised, she's over six thousand pounds now. She started out with a thousand pound target, um, and you know we managed to, to assist to get her uh, over the six. Uh, some of the family and friends have donated to her, and uh, people outside of hockey have helped as well. So it's just fantastic. I'm just very, very lucky to call her a friend, and and um, if she knows that anytime she she come over to me on Saturday, um, and she says I need to have a chatty, and mm-hmm. I said what's up now, and she says well um, don't be angry. And I'm going, oh, for God's sake, what have you struck me into now? And she came out and told me what she wanted me to do. And I says, no issue, not a problem. So um, anything you can, I can do for her to help her, it's, it's, it's always a yes. Um, but, you know, she's just absolutely outstanding, a one-off and a real gem. And as Davey said, very, very, very lucky to have her part of the Belfast Giants organization. We have thrown up the uh, the link, the GoFundMe.com link, to say where she's raising money for Angels Wishes, wish, Angels Wishes, and the uh, and the Cancer Fund for Children, two fantastic causes, and uh, we'll get behind her. It's this Saturday. She'll be shaving her hair off, and uh, good luck to her. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing for, for her to be doing. And um, listen, Laura, all I can say is the maintenance, the low maintenance when you've got no hair, you're going to find it. You, you listen, you go have a shower and you can walk straight out the door. You don't have to spend time drying your hair. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, the other thing there, Patty, David just touched on it there. We're going to get to see her spark plugs. Um, you know, she uh, um, she had her hair tied back a day and I could see them in full glory. Like, so it's, uh, she's, she's, she's not shy on that. You know, we, like we all know she's always up for a bit of crack and a bit of laugh. So, um, at uh, the, the spark plugs are coming out from Saturday onwards, um, and somebody offered her a hat. Must be a big hat to cover them spark plugs as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. Good luck to her. I say, well, we have the the link up on uh, at AVFTV, and please, please, please give anything you can 
to help in what is a wonderful, wonderful cause. Let's quickly look, lads, at the two games this weekend. Uh, the Sheffield Steelers come in on Saturday night at 7pm before we go to face the Cardiff Devils in a league competition on Sunday at 6pm over at Ice Arena Wales. Just briefly, says these two games, you know, we, we have to bite back, we have to show momentum, we have to build now because there are still two trophies to fight for. Absolutely, and you know, one of them, we've got the, uh, actually technically there's three, Paddy. Oh well, we were still leading in the conference. The, the conference title, you know, two big games against conference rivals this weekend. Um, you know, We've 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 got a winning record against them. Um, you know, five and two against the uh, Sheffield Steelers and three and two against the the Cardiff Devils. So you know, we we've got the we've got the players to be able to to win these games. It's a matter of the guys, you know, coming together, playing as a team as they have done this season, and uh, you know, putting those in a in a back together again for for Saturday's game and all because you know Adam just likes to concentrate one game at a time. So it's um let's just get back to work and. Uh, train hard this week. The, the guys were on the ice at day. It was a bag skate um, at the end of practice, and um, you know tomorrow, uh, Thursday, and Friday, they're going to be getting prepared for Saturday. And, and Adams already got the plans in place exactly how he's going to do that. Davey, how much of a marker is the game on Sunday against Cardiff? Um, I think actually, in terms of the conference title, it's much more important than in terms of of the game the following week because the the Challenge Cup final just will stand alone. It'll, it'll be a barn burner either way. I think that both teams will bring their A game on that night. I don't think there's any, I don't have any concerns about a one-off cup final. I think that both teams will just leave everything out on the ice that night. I think in terms of we could, this is a big weekend. We can make a big, big dent into ultimately trying to win that, that our hard conference this weekend. I think it's, it's critical that we, we finish our season on a high against the Sheffield Steelers at home and then we go to Cardiff the following night. It's going to be another difficult day travelling on. We're going to get those bus legs shake out really, really quick. But, you know, in terms of our hard conference, I want that trophy back in Belfast. Um, I'm sure, you know, the conference isn't one of the important titles, but silverware is silverware. It's nice if you play a sport to get any sort of tangible victory. And that is in terms of, of cups that you win. So, you know, for me, I want, I want to win that conference every season, every time we set out. It's, it's a goal. It's there to be won. So I think that winning two games this weekend would, would go a long way towards, uh, towards, towards victory in that. Games on Saturday against the Sheffield Steelers at the SSE Arena, 7pm, and on Sunday at Ice Arena Wales, 6pm, and you can get that game on Ice Time TV. Right, let's go for a quick, few quick fan agenda questions, an old school fan agenda, considering we've had a few guests over the last few weeks, but uh, an association with our friends at Belfast Giants TV. Jason McCormick, let's go with that first. With Vandermeer out, will the Giants organisation bring in another defenceman, Davey? I don't know, but I'd be pretty certain that we've been non-stop scoring the markets for all available players. Uh, it wouldn't be wouldn't be good management not to be. I'm sure Steve Thornton and Adam Kiefer have constantly their you know agents onto them, agents on speed dial, and uh, looking looking around to see what's available in the market. And if there's a player right there that will make us better than what we are now, I wouldn't think that the organisation will hesitate to move. It says they're big shoes to fill in, Jim Vandermeer's. Like we've already commented on, um, you know, he's one of the top three D men in the league. Um, you know, you can't buy his experience, and and uh, you know, I do know that the guys have been looking for for options. Um, 
just right now there's not a plethora of people to to uh, bring in of that quality and um, you know in all fairness you know bringing a guy in for potentially a, a five week blast it's you know it's going to be very very costly as well so um, it has to be the right person it has to be the right fit but if it's available and it's going to um, help the team and make them better I've absolutely no doubt that they'll do it. Question here from at Stevie Giants eighty three one that I think we'll, we'll we're going to delve into come the off season because I think it's a big one for the Belfast Giants. But just briefly, it says, um, do you think that Adam Keith's appointment as GB assistant coach would be a big factor in helping us obtain good upcoming Brits to replace the likes of Colin Shields? It's a, it's a really good question. I've seen that one on the list, um, and I think it will. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no secret that you know our our uh, Brit cores is getting older. Um, I mean, Adam has got Colin Shields, who's in his late 30s. You've got uh, Toys just in his 30s. Mark Garside, who's still can't believe it. He's only 28. Um, and uh, Stephen Murphy, who's in his mid-30s as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of younger British players around who who maybe may be able to do a job and come in to help Belfast. And um, I, I do think we need to try and bring in a couple of those younger British guys and you know, a lot. I've seen you were having a bit of a discussion with somebody there the other night, Paddy, about uh, Stevie Eccles and yeah, and, uh, Adam Robinson, what have you? You know, I can't remember who it was and saying about you know why aren't we giving Stevie Eccles the MVP of the CJPHL last year? You know, an offer, an, an option to play. It, it, it's it's chalk and cheese between those. You know, coming out of a boys' league and a a men's league. Um, you know, Stevie. He, he, he makes as many practices as he possibly can. He's not available to to, uh, to play every weekend because of his job at the city airport as well, you know. And and yes, with not earning, uh, you know, a, a, a wage to, to keep him um, as a full time hockey player, you know, he's got to look after himself as well. So he's a decision to make in the next probably twelve months or so to whether or not he's going to continue playing or or maybe go elsewhere or you know, I don't think he'll go back, going back to North America is an option for him. But I, I absolutely agree with you. you know, Stevie's a real top kid. He's tried really hard. Um, but for Adam, you know, it's, it's not a development league. We do not have the time to be – I'm sorry, Adam does not have the time to, you know, to, to help develop these kids, to get them to the level to play at EIHL. You know, you've got guys who are <laughs> from the AHL. You've got guys coming in from the DEL, um, you know, to play in this league. And – and it's not a development league. Davey's talked about it on numerous occasions, so have you, Paddy. Um, but I, I, I do believe that um, Adam being in the position of assistant coach at GB, he may, he'll be able to get in players' ears, you know, just, you know, saying, oh, I really like you in, in Belfast, we played against us before. If you're, you know, let us know what your situation is when you're finished with your contract, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, hockey players of, of short careers, um, and they'll not play or not get the option to play in many better places in the EIHL and the Motherwell in Belfast. David? What's the question, Paddy? Well, the question is basically, do you think that Alan Keith's appointment as the assistant coach of GB will be a big factor in recruiting new Brits? Yeah, I think that the draw of of an Adam Keith and, and of course of this organisation as well will be a, a draw to Brits and we, we talked earlier in the show about the Edinburgh Capitals, you know, and if, if they go down a route where they'll not be in the league next year, obviously Hull will be looking to pick up players as well, but you know, there's there, there's talent out there, you've got to go pay for it. You know, that's that's another thing, you've got to have the, the money within your budget, but they're, they're critical to, 
you know, we've seen over the course of this season that two line, three line hockey against the big clubs doesn't work. When they can roll four lines, they can come at you then in the fourth period and, and get at you. You know, Cardiff did it against us a number of weeks ago there. They just rolled four lines for half an hour and then they rolled three for another 10 minutes. And then for the last period of the game, they were able to just put their big boys out and just, just did worn us down at that stage. And, and we didn't have much back to offer because, because of our short benchness. You know, we've got to, yeah, we've, we've got to get younger in terms of Brits and we've got to get more more bodies in in terms of Brits. Adam Keith being part of that GB setup, yeah, he'll be in their ear over the summer. You know, I, I would like to think so anyway. All these guys become free agents that aren't on, on long-term deals. So I'd like to think that, that Kiefer will be in the ear of a few of them. When the three of us can sit around and talk about the Brits, it shows you that the Good Friday Agreement is worth it's dead. <laughs> I've seen Twitter there, Eamon Molly says, cancel the cake for the 20th anniversary party. A <laughs> um, couple of quick, couple more, let's go a bit more lighthearted than these ones. Rob McGregor. Okay. EHL. Rob McGregor, EHL Media is Rob McGregor. Unbelievable. Yeah. We're, we're not worthy, Rob. We're not worthy. Are the Winter Olympics better than the Summer Olympics, Davey? Um, I have not watched one single minute of the Winter Olympics. Have you not? No. Mate, I can't and get enough of to it. To be honest with you, if you see info, ran past my window, I'd pull the curtains. Not interested. Really? Oh, mate, I, I just haven't had time. I've had to watch the Belfast Giants playing the Edinburgh Capitals. <laughs> I've had to watch them playing the Milton Keynes Lightings. And I've had to watch them playing the Dundee Stars again over the last three days. So I just haven't had time to watch more. Fair enough. Says. If you see him bolt run past your curtains, David, they would close themselves, mate. Yeah. But the, um, um, I've watched a wee bit, Paddy. You know, I like the, uh, um, the obviously, the getting to the level of hockey. It's not as, nowhere near as good as what it is when you've got the NHL guys there, but uh, I watched a bit of it today. Um, with being the – I don't really like watching highlights, as in um, knowing the, the scores and what have you. Yeah. Um, and with being in the position of – you know, it's it's well, it's a nine hours difference there. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just getting ready to start playing some of the sports there now, and we're getting ready to go to bed. So it's not really, you know, it, it, I haven't watched anywhere near as what I would have watched if it was uh, being held in Europe or maybe North America. But I did. Um, you know, did, did you see? Says the uh, the BBC commentary on it, or the, the the two ladies on the BBC talking about saying how great the Chemi Alcott and uh, and uh, Claire Balding. How great the cameraman must be! How he, how he goes out there and he doesn't bump into any of the players or get hit by the pucks. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was honest. To be very, very honest, we were genuinely going to take the piss out of that on Saturday night, um, but getting beat by the Edinburgh Capitals wasn't the time to do it. Yeah. Um, we went out and bought a white ball, a boiler suit, and we were going to, um, you know, Claire Balding was going to get a bit of a ripping session, and and uh, it would have been a bit of crack out of it, but. Um, that result against Edinburgh sort of put everything <laughs> by the way side. Neil, Neil was already getting guy. Uh, we Ross Gowdy was going to get the skates on and, and go out there with an orange cone on his head and all down the the uh, lineup. But um, again, having a, a throw back in our face, we couldn't beat four two. It was disappointing. I saw Seth was on. Uh, I saw Seth was a good company man that he is. He was on uh, trying to defend what was said by Cherry Alcott and, and Claire Balding. But uh, yeah, that's a. I think that uh, ship had sailed. Um, but yeah, I, to, to be honest with Rob myself, I much prefer the Winter Olympics. I can't believe he's gotten, he's, he's haven't been haven't been glued to it like uh, like me and Joanna have been. It's been fab. Some of the stuff, you, some of the, some of the sloop style stuff was unbelievable. The big air, the, the women's big air the other day with the, with, the, with the board, and then the story today. Do you hear about this woman Elizabeth Swanee, the the girl nope. from America? So she's an American. 
but she wanted to be in the Olympics. She found out that her, her um, grandparents are Hungarian, but she didn't find that out. She knew her grandparents were Hungarian, so she went for Team Hungary. She found out that if she wanted to take part in the um, in the half-pipe skiing, all she had to do was finish in the top 30 of 15 World Cup tournaments. So she went to all the World Cup tournaments and discovered that only about 25 people take part in each of them. So she just took part, skied down the actual... Uh, the half pipe, not doing anything, just going side to side, no tricks or nothing, and always finished either 25th or if some people crashed out, she sometimes finished, you know, second, third, fourth, last. She did that in 15 tournaments, so she qualified for the Olympics. So there she I was know. there on Monday, and she goes down, and she didn't do anything, she just skied from the, in the half pipe, no tricks or nothing, just ski- representing Hungary at the Olympics, can barely ski, went from top to bottom, and then just like arms up to applaud her. You know what I mean? It's one of these stories. You know, like Eric the Eel, in the in the uh, uh, the guy who couldn't swim, and I was at the uh, was at the Olympics in Beijing. So Eddie, sort of, Eddie I, the Eagle Edwards who couldn't it. jump. That's it. I love those stories. You know what I mean? Somebody's actually going. You know what? I'm gonna. You see them like some lads who who want to do it for in football as well. They go to find some. Uh, they want to play international football, so they find some island that has a has a like a low ranking FIFA team and they get themselves into it. I love stories like that. That's a team You know what? I'm act- this makes sense now. I've seen James Glover sticking on his Twitter account earlier on wanting to put forward um an Irish bobsled team. Oh I am in. Damn right. So Fuck. cool runnings. Yeah, but I am not Irish, so it doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have an Irish passport so I you know, you need someone to be able to run I, for that. I, I don't I'll, I'll be the coach. Work out. I don't know if you're going to work out in the boss. I'll be your John Cammy. <laughs> <laughs> last question. Boy. <laughs> last last question, boys. And it comes from Amy McLean. It's, it's about a young Ethan who we always love hearing from on, on this show. And it said, ahead of his next half marathon, Ethan would like to know, Who's the fastest on the team? I don't know what I mean. We can't answer that for the Belfast Giants, but what about on, on this team? I'd say Davy's faster than me, but I'd say I'm faster than says. In terms of, well, that, I'd uh, knock a bag out of both ears. So half miles. So you wouldn't catch me, says. There's always a way I catch me. Get don't you worry about that. <laughs> Jump on a phone, cab. Yeah. Ding ding. <laughs> on that note, we'll say thanks to everybody for your TFAs this week. Keep them coming through the week. Hashtag TFA on at AVFTB. Last thing, any other business is Taft's uh, appreciation night. Yeah, I, I want to say first day about the Gareth Roberts one. Oh, um, yes. At the weekend. Um, you know, Gareth is uh, really taken aback by uh, the OSC guys organizing. Obviously, the members of the official supporters club came along the event as well. So, um, yeah, it was great to. To, um, to be able to offer that to um, Gareth and his family. And then we announced yesterday that the next one is going to be Jason Taff Ellery. Um, we've got Taff, you know, we, we, we had him on here last week and the feedback we had from him was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, it's it's great to be able to, to put him in, in, in that, you know, you've got to, you got we'll hold him in the highest esteem. Uh, the effort and the time, I mean, and the workload that he puts into our team is just unbelievable. So um, we're his dad's coming over for the event itself. Um, it's uh, Sunday the 11th of March against the Nottingham Panthers, and uh, we're really looking forward to. It. We're going to try and get some uh, our very local Belfast Giants who have played over the years. Maybe uh, well, obviously the local guys now include Jason Bowen and Curtis Hoppy. We're going to try and get all those guys down for the game itself. Um, he'll put drop the puck. He'll 
Uh, we'll do a, um, try and get a few other bits and pieces organised. Obviously, he'll be busy <laughs> during the day because he's, he's preparing for the game. Um, but we hope to have him up to the uh, West Lounge just after the game and, and maybe get a couple of drinks with him as well. So um, I don't. I honestly am struggling to think of anybody better that we can show our appreciation to as an official supporters club. I think we with such a fab reaction to to his appearance on the show last week, and it was brilliant to have him on. Some great stories, Davey. Legend, legend. But in terms of, uh, says it said it all when it comes to path. But in in terms of any other business for me, just www.gofundme.com forward slash smallsies shave. If you've got a few shekels, throw them in there. Every penny towards that incredible. Five thousand point target to be split between those two fabulous charities. So if you've got a few quid, please drop it in there. Here, here. Uh, the two games this weekend: Sheffield on Saturday, seven p.m. at the SSE Arena. Get yourself down there or tune in on Belfast Giants TV. And then we travel over to face the league leading and probably league champion Cardiff Devils Sunday, six p.m. And you get that on Ice Time. TV. Also, keep keep in touch at AVFTB on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and all the other sort of things. SoundCloud.com forward slash AVFTB for all of our interviews. Um, thanks very much, gents. It's uh, It's been a while since we've had a show where we, it's been a bit tough to talk about, but, um, but we're through it now. I have to give a shout out to, we've got a new fan base up in uh, the likes of Palomino, Macara, and what have you, and they're calling themselves the Country Culture Crew. <laughs> Um, and um, so I'm going to give them a shout out tonight so let them have to listen to an hour and 40 minutes of us talking before they get a shout out <laughs> Davey thanks very much no bother mate talk to you soon wherever you are this weekend we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on A View From The Bridge Podcast Network.